tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and skyworn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, Emmy-winning storm chaser and photographer Chris Sanner, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. Hey, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. Of course, this is the Stormfront Freaks podcast. If you happen to be a first-time listener, we always want to thank you for checking us out. Be sure to go to stormfrontfreaks.com and check out the library of previous shows that we have with famous guests from the weather industry. But tonight, tonight, everybody, this is our historic 50th episode, the Big Five Zero. Oh, yeah. and, and, and here's why this is historic for us, because we are a bi-weekly show. So if we were weekly, of course, this would be our 100th episode. We would be doing this for 100 weeks, but we've been doing this for almost two years now, which is crazy to yeah. think. Wow. Uh, isn't that nuts? That wow. is nuts. Yeah. But uh, episode 50, we, we could not have a better guest to celebrate than uh, our senior research scientist of NOAA's Severe Storms Laboratory. We've got the legendary Harold Brooks uh, is with us tonight. And we'll also be discussing the future use uh, of, um, and I got to elaborate here because I still have on the script last week's discussion. But we're going to be talking about the National Weather Service and, and whether or not they should be getting into uh, media. You know, they're, they're half dipping their toe a little bit into social media and web pages, but they're trying to stay away from video and streaming stuff. But we're going to talk about should they go all in or should they be all out or should they just keep kind of tipping their toe in the, uh, toe in the water? We'll talk about that. And stick around as we're certainly not short of weather fools this week. Uh, and, and we, of course, we usually have some WX resources to share with you. Tonight, I've got a bombshell announcement right here and right now. This, this is, is going to be a huge announcement for you guys. We've been teasing this on social media, but we're excited to introduce a new partnership with Helicity Designs. Now, if you're a weather geek, you know who Helicity Designs is, right? All, you guys all you know who Helicity is. Yeah. Are you serious? Um, Come on, Phil. Are you questioning what geek it is? Uh, if you go to helicitydesigns.com, great, great stuff. They'll be coming. Listen to this. They're going to be coming up. Uh, I've been talking with Justin, very creative guy. Love what he's doing. They're going to come up with a line of exclusive Stormfront Freaks podcast merchandise done the only way that Helicity Designs can do it. Uh, they've been teasing a little bit of that already. But I want to share tonight to celebrate this partnership and our 50th episode, Helicity Designs has created a Stormfront Freaks podcast lightning round tour t-shirt. Nice. <laughs> so nice. Oh, this is nice. this is awesome. It's a good old black concert <laughs> tour t-shirt, Kim. You're gonna love this. It's right. I up, love it. I already right love up it. Your Megadeth oh, Metallica Alley. <laughs> so it's done like a concert t-shirt. Um, so it says on the front, Stormfront Freaks. And then it says lightning round tour. And then listen to this on the back. Now, what's normally on a back of a concert t-shirt? Cities. Right. Yeah. All the cities of their tour. So here's Ooh. what we're doing. The back of this t-shirt is going to list all of our first 50, 50 episodes and guests 
that we've had on the podcast. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. And and so listen to this. So Harold, you're you're already on the T-shirt. You're just showing up tonight. Is that unbelievable? Yes. I, you know, I, I could leave now. And <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just thinking. Thank God you showed up tonight because otherwise right. you're not going to the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. But Dina, Dina, you're on there. Kim, you're on there. You guys oh. were both guests at one point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on the back of the shirt, uh, it's got our tour of the first 50 episodes and who was on and the date uh, that they were on there. <laughs> um, so get this, you can go to helicitydesigns.com. You can go there right now and you can find that uh, awesome lightning round tour t-shirt and get this. I'm not done. You can, you Nato can get the exclusive shirt, but as part of our agreement, our podcast listeners, which is you, you, uh, you get an extra 5% off your entire order if you wow. use the code FREAKS, R-F-E-A-K-S. Use the code FREAKS at checkout, and you're going to get 5% off your entire order. Nice. Just because wow. you're nice. a listener. So be sure to browse their entire collection of weather-themed clothing, swimwear, shoes, accessories, and other products. They got all kinds of great stuff. Um, uh, and, and obviously if they got weather stuff for weather geeks, that's their slogan, just go to helicitydesigns.com, check out their stuff, use freaks, uh, and get our, our commemorative 50 episodes t-shirt. Got a little promo code too. I know we've made it. That, I mean, how you know <laughs> you got, there, man. You got a promo code. Yeah. You got a promo code. Anyway, so check it out. Uh, they got some great <laughs> stuff, and and we'll be announcing more stuff, more stuff as we go. But all right, so hey, it's always happy hour when we're recording Stormfront Freaks podcast. The best way to introduce our co-hosts uh, and share our casual atmosphere is to find out what everybody's drinking. Uh, so we we ask all of our listeners, hey, feel free to join us uh, uh, as long as you're not driving or at work, as we say. But go ahead and step up to the bar. Let's find out what you're drinking tonight. MJ's in Minnesota. What what, what are you drinking? Hey, good evening. My uh, kind of my go-to beer. This is uh, Michelob Amber Bach. Oh, oh, okay. It's normally a fall beer, I think, isn't it? I don't know. I drink it. Spring. No, you know what it is? <laughs> Bach tends to be a spring beer. Very good. Dina. Now, Dina is normally coming to us from Atlanta, but tonight yeah. we find out she's she's been catching the rays on the beach in Destin, Florida. Yeah. Oh, my I've God. I've been on spring break, and you know I hadn't drank for a couple months from that fitness program. Well, I kind of oh, fell off right. the wagon on vacation. <laughs> I feel like I'm on, like, I think she um, already has. I feel like I, uh, Felt like I'm an AA because it's been 72 days since my last drink. Oh my! So I've been drinking now. I'm on. I don't know. I'm on a few of them. Yeah. (laughs) I think we need to have a show called Two Drink Minimum. You have to have a two drink minimum before you can start. Although we'll make Uh, it through tonight. We'll make it through the show better. Beers. Now I'm on the wine, and you know. It's like we we need to have a pool bar just for Dina. All right, Brady is in Columbus. Brady, what what are you drinking? I'm having a nice uh, red blend tonight, so it's, it's oh, nice and refreshing. You know, so fancy. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you so sophisticated? I drink. I drink what's available, man. I'm at the parents' house right now. So yeah. That's yeah. Very good. All it's right, sweet. Kim. Now Kim is in Atlanta. Kim, what are you drinking? I am drinking a local beer from the Burnt Hickory Brewery Company, right off the street from me, actually. And this is Ezekiel's Wheel. So, kind of a cool, going back to the Civil oh. War days, um, can. So yeah, like real good. Yeah, it's a pale ale. It's 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 hoppy for a pale ale, but you know I usually drink the IPAs, but this is good. I like it. Very good. All right, and then I we'll go to our guest. I always say we've got a green room stocked 
in this uh, digital show that we have. Harold, uh, Harold's coming to us from Norman, Oklahoma. What are you drinking, Harold? Iced tea. Iced All tea. Right. Very good. Now, I, you know, I'll say this. I also want to mention Her- Harold's uh, at work. He's so he's the only office. summer. Oh, no wonder. So he's he's going to have to finish the show for the rest of us. But let's let's get to our guest and give him a formal introduction. Kim, uh, I'll turn it over to you. All right. So Harold Brooks, he, he's a meteorologist and a senior scientist with the NOAA Severe Storms Laboratory. His research is concentrated on severe convective storms and tornadoes, particularly severe weather climatology as well as weather forecasting. He's also um, been elected as a fellow of the AMS, the American Meteorological Society. That was in 2010, and also the Royal Meteorology Society as well. And I know, Harold, you've gotten all kinds of awards for papers, and there's just so much I could have said in your intro, but um, we want to save a lot of time, I think, for just the questions and great information you have tonight. And I want to say thank you for joining us. I know you're very busy. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. And, and, and actually tonight, I'm I'm uh, proud to be the spouse of an Oklahoma public school teacher. We're having interesting times right now around here. And she and she and my daughter went up to the Capitol today and they may be going back tomorrow. So good, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Boy, they deserve it. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time out to join You're us. Welcome. tonight. Again, tons of questions for you, but you know, one, you know, anybody that's in meteorology, I think knows your name, has seen it on research papers, and mm-hmm. and people probably wonder, how did you get to this point? How did you has research always been a passion for you in convective storms, tornadoes, or climatology? I, I, you know, I, there are a lot of people I know that have that story of when they were five years old, they knew they were going to do weather, and that's not me. Uh, undergraduate, I was physics and math major, and I knew I'd do science and math and all that. And I kind of stumbled into doing weather that uh, a, a previous uh, graduate of my college had had gone to a summer program at, at the Goddard Institute for Space Studies in New York with Columbia University. And that had turned into him into one of the world's black hole experts. Uh, he actually did a postdoc and lived with Stephen Hawking for three years. What? Uh, and so when I, when I graduated, they, or when I was getting ready for that kind of time, they said, hey, you ought to look at that program. And so my summer research was actually looking at the last glacial maximum climate. And I went back and did graduate work and looked at uh, transport of volcanic aerosols in the stratosphere and got a little tired of living up there. And I was engaged by that point to, to my wife, whose parents lived in, in Chicago and my parents were in St. Louis. And to be honest with you, Urbana-Champaign was a really convenient place to go. And I started doing thunderstorm stuff in, in uh, there at the University of Illinois with Bob Wilhelmson. And that's kind of how it happened. 1990, I came down here. Chuck Doswell invited me to come mm-hmm. to the lab. Uh, said, you know, do a postdoc for one year before you go off to do some faculty position. And I just haven't left. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> what an what an intro, huh? Hey, Harold, I have a question for you because when I was looking at your intro, you did have climatology on there, and mm-hmm. I'm not getting political whatsoever. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. everybody, sure. have a drink. It's just a question. Seven one now. Sure. Sure. Have two drink minimum, remember. But in your organization doing climatology, and then we have an administration that doesn't really believe in climate change. Are you seeing any changes in not, you know your not, not where no? I am. No, but that doesn't mean I mean we don't when I do climatology, it's a lot, you know, it's it's more historical and what's going on. We do some work with trying to estimate what'll happen with it as with changes potentially in severe storms. 
but that that's a, a real small component. And in, and it's actually can be easily phrased in terms of we're doing things that help us understand weather conditions for forecasting. And so we really haven't felt things. There may well be other agencies within NOAA that have, but I haven't really noticed it where I am. I've been curious to ask you that because I've even read articles where kids are going to start getting textbooks where no global climate change is even allowed to be mentioned. That I'm could like, be like, wow. That, that could that could be in some states. I mean, that's a state by state basis, and uh, you know, I I have a hard enough time understanding a lot of things that go into the education system. Understanding uh, things like textbook selection and and what the goals are mm -hmm. is really really hard. Okay. So Harold, I'm dying to know what is your like perfect day when you come into work? If you could have one day, is it, you know, a calm day? Is it when severe weather is going on? What's your perfect day when you go to work? What are you looking forward to the most? My guess is it is it more than it probably aims towards a little more towards the calm day. Uh, I, I like the, uh, I mean, I day-to-day -day weather, it matters to me, but in, in many senses, it doesn't. You know, I'll, I look at historical stuff and I look at uh, yeah. trying to design forecast systems. And so that's just the chance to sit and think, to sit and talk to uh, graduate students, to talk to some work colleagues about some things we've been working on is always a, a good thing and not w with no feeling of, well, I better be doing something else while, while this is going on. Uh, and just, uh, I think, to, to me, I tell people that one of the great things about being a scientist is that there are, you, you reach the point where there are times when you know something that nobody else on the planet knows, and then your job <laughs> wow. is to tell somebody, is to tell people that. And you know those don't happen very often, but occasionally you, you've, yeah. as you work on something, you find out, man, this is really cool, and you go tell somebody, and that's just a whole lot of fun. Those are the best days. Oh hmm. my gosh! So let me that ask you. Let me ask you this. So, yeah. um, are you part of the decision making there? I imagine you probably are. But what research gets done? I mean, is there a group of people that get together to decide what NSL SL is going to be researching? Yeah, well, yes and no. Uh, I'm. Uh, I've been here a long time. And I was hired under what may in some sense be a, an old idea. Uh, when I arrived, uh, Bob Maddox, who was the director then, mm -hmm. uh, when I came on my postdoc, said, you know, I'm looking for the next generation of superstars to lead research in at the lab. And they're going to work on important problems. And the reason that we're going to, and the way we're going to know they're important problems is that they've told us they're important because they're working on them. And now we have a lot more stuff where we do big projects. I'm involved in a small bit in one of those. Uh, but I'm st I'm still I'm sort of the last of the pretty much independent uh, principal investigators, uh, and I get to pick and choose about ninety percent of what I do. You by yourself when That's you do nice. research, or you got people working with you? It depends on what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not a uh, I, I'm probably not real good as part of a big group. Uh, I've you know I've got uh, I've got two I've got two PhD students uh, that I have right now in in meteorology and another one that I help with in in geography here at, at Oklahoma and one of them in particular I work with pretty closely uh, the other one does a lot of stuff with the SPC mm -hmm. so he can work with the SPC and the and the one in geography does stuff with the geographers uh, so it's a I, I tend to be much better at working with you know, like one or two people on things and then I guess the biggest group I'm involved with is our is our efforts to try to do social science and with meteorology and there's a set of folks that we've met again with today that we're doing some things for a spring project that's coming in and just that's a little bit of a bigger group but i'm uh 
I have a hard time. If if you gave me ten people, I don't know what I'd do because that's just not. <laughs> I mean, that's not my. That's not my style. That's a lot harder yeah, thing for me to do. Yeah. yeah. So Harold, I'm dying yeah. to know because because um along that lines of the social science, you know, I was just at work yesterday or two days ago. There was a tornado warning in our county, and everyone at work just continued to work. So I'm dying to know what do you find people most respond to when it comes to stuff like that. Well, I mean, there's there's sort of the standard stuff we do in that we we know from any warning of any kind of of disaster, and a lot of it has to do with with trusted messengers, uh, and but the I but it's difficult to pick those things out, you know, a priori as to what as to what an yeah. individual will respond to. We know that I mean, to me, one of the things that I really love about the tornado warning problem as a as an intellectual exercise is that it's a uh, it, it's a, a real example of decision making under uncertainty with great time pressure. And that occurs at the forecaster scale, at the communicator mm -hmm. scale, and at the user scale. And there aren't many problems like that. I mean, we mm -hmm. emergency room doctors, firefighters have to deal with decision making under uncertainty with, with a lot of time pressure. But not to have it at the, at the information creator, information pass along, and the information user stage. Uh, and we we really don't understand how that system works very well, even yet. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. So since you've been living there for such a long time, um, you have, I'm sure, have seen tornadoes. A few. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Has your house been hit by one? I oh, hate no, to no, no. That, but, okay. and, and nothing, nothing actually even particularly close. Probably the closest thing to our house is, oh, maybe three miles. Uh, well, no, they were, sorry. So I was, I was, like, yeah. I was, I was out of, I was out of town. Sorry, sorry. Let me, let me go back. I was out of town for a one mile away. Uh, okay. That actually, uh, my wife's school. Uh, when she went out to the parking lot, there were telephone poles down across the street. Oh gosh! And it actually hit the. It did hit the high school where my youngest child was at the time. Although it was pretty, it was wow. relatively weak. But I was out of town. So oh, I, got yeah. a lot of, I got a lot of grief for that. I'm sure. You know, I'm that's, sure. That's isn't that a problem? Is when when you're into weather, you know, whether whether you're a chaser, storm spotter, meteorologist, researcher, whatever yeah. it is, when there's bad weather in the area, you're probably not sitting at home. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and, 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 that's and, and, sad. Well, the the, well, the, the thing about this was I was actually refereeing a volleyball tournament in Dallas. And, oh, so it wasn't weather related. Oh, okay. it was, oh well, not at all. Not at all weather related. But I, I'm on the referee stand, and we don't, you know, my, the phone is in my pocket, but I'm not going to obviously answer the phone while in the middle of a match. But my phone is going bananas with messages. I bet. And I'm, and it's one of those, huh? I wonder what's going on. <laughs> and I get off the stand, <laughs> and the first message is from my wife, uh, at Whittier in shelter with, well, at Whittier in shelter with kids. <laughs> oh, wow. um, yeah that's not a very good thing but uh you know that was a in hindsight that's an amusing time because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. as the wife i'd be like pick up the phone well she she, she knows i mean she knows what i'm reffing obviously that that's a it's all she can do yeah. is send a message and i'll check it after the match you know so all right i got two questions for you the first okay. question is Harold, what what was your connection with the movie Twister, okay. and how were you involved? Well, that's two questions right there, right? No, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> I tend to do that. Okay. I tend to turn maybe four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I was I'm what is officially referred to as a technical consultant. 
Uh, my name appears in the credits right before no animals were harmed. The big things that I did were uh, we did uh, we did we actually did store we did storm safety for cast and crew because you have a whole lot of people that are going to be outside in Oklahoma in April and May. And mm. that's a you know, and many of them had never been you know had never been around storms, and so this was something that they needed to know. Did a little bit of talking with the uh, with some people about about lines in the in the show or in the movie. Uh, like Helen Hunt called. We had a three hour conversation about oh, a lot wow. of her script. Uh, she promised some things would be said that she said I can't promise I'll make it into the final cut, but the first the first take will be that way. And at least one <laughs> like, of them didn't. Like Harold Brooks told me. <laughs> <laughs> there, 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 well, there was an inside joke with uh, with some chasers back then that she said she promised she would get the first line and it, it didn't make the final it didn't make the final thing. Uh, we hosted uh, Bill Paxton. Uh, he was actually in our operations center for Vortex uh, for the first day while when we got our first tornado of the field project, uh, and then was went out with our field teams uh, on April nineteenth, nineteen ninety five, which was the day of the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, and they actually went through his hometown of Weatherford, Texas, uh, on the, wow. while they were while they were out chasing with our with our people. And I did a lot with the art department coordinator, uh, Carla Nimick, who was one of those people who tries to make the set look real. Yeah. Uh, they actually filmed the opening scene of the movie twice. Once was the what showed up on on film, which was a uh, out in the field. The other was actually in a classroom. And twice. so I did, yeah, I oh. did equa right, I did equations, uh, a skew T chart. No. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Oh, no. Yes, it was a convective weather class, and so we had all of that up on the on the board, and and that unfortunately got got cut. Uh, and I also got a lot. I got also QT. Yeah, yeah. When, when uh, and when Kathy Kennedy, who was uh, who was the executive producer uh, uh, at the time, she was uh, Spielberg's partner uh, in in the movie business, uh, came by. I'd give her coffee. That was the other thing. She'd come up and steal coffee <laughs> out of my coffee maker. <laughs> So okay, so I lied. A sub question to that okay. before I get to my uh, second. So oh, shut up. So was there a time <laughs> while they were filming that there was any serious weather in the area that you had to inform them of? No, uh, well, I I didn't inform them. I mean, we did have, uh, yeah. I mean, actually, all of the cast except for Helen and Carrie Elwes, uh, actually did go out with our vehicles on April nineteenth, ninety five. Uh, as part of as part of the Vortex field project, uh, and just went out to see what was going on. That turned out to be an incredibly difficult day to operate because of the bombing in the morning, yeah. and and communication to the field was very difficult because uh, we just lost you know we lost a lot of, of of phone coverage because of the of the all all of that going on with downtown. Uh, but uh, they went out and did that. But we didn't have anything that really was that I remember that was anything really bad while they were around. Hmm. All right. So second question. So the severe storms lab, can, can you tell us what, what are some of the things you guys are working on sure. to make yeah. the lives of the average person better when it comes to severe weather? Yeah. Well, the mission of the national severe storms laboratory is to do research, to improve the warnings and forecast of severe weather. Our big projects right now, the, the thing we've probably been known for historically forever has been radar development. Uh, Doppler weather radar is a, is a lab invention uh, or at least in terms of its application, the big part of its applications. Same thing with polar metric radar. That was done, basically developed seriously wow. here at the lab. Uh, we're working right now on uh, on what we think may well be the next generation of radar, phased array radar, which has the advantage of uh, no moving parts. 
and can collect a lot. It essentially, it's an electronically steered uh, antenna that is that they've been using like on naval ships for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to try to bring that in, and it can do all kinds of. It has all kinds of applications because you can do weather and track aircraft at the same time with wow. the same platform, and you can interrogate small parts of the space while you're still paying attention to everything going on. So that's one big project. Another wow. one is another one is what we call facets forecasting a continuum of environmental threats. And I do I do a tiny bit with this, which is essentially trying to okay we. If you think right now we we put out forecast products in a few stages for severe weather, we got the convective outlooks that cover a day and are issued on a daily basis. We have watches and we have we have warnings and we do some other intermediate products, but not real seriously. Uh, and but that we're trying to figure out. We know lots of things. You know, information changes all the time, so we're trying to figure out ways that we can communicate, we can create and communicate that information to users. Uh, continuously and have information that flows fairly seamlessly uh, and that one of our one, obviously one of the big challenges we have in in trying to for, communicate weather is we know a lot more than we're actually able to tell people in the short amount of time we mm. ever get their attention span but we yes we also know there are potentially sophisticated users you know like school districts maybe or emergency managers uh, or you know, hospital groups that have large safety responsibilities that can use a lot more information than what we give to the general public. If we gave all that information to the general public, it probably wouldn't help them respond very well. But if I can tell an emergency manager, you know, you may have, you know, tornadic conditions in, the, in a couple of hours from now, they may be able to start to deploy resources. And that's a long-term goal of, in some sense, you know, improving the, the value of the forecast that we create by, in some sense, almost just changing and refining more the way we, we put information out. And what about the Vortex project in the Southeast? Vortex Southeast is, is yeah, that's that's another thing that the lab is not, that's not just ours. So we're, but we're heavily involved in it. Um, Vortex Southeast is, it's different than any field project that's ever been done uh, in that uh, we, we don't really have a, a fixed space that's where we have people at or even close to it. So that we have to figure out when to send people to go, to, to go there. So Eric Rasmussen, who's, who's, in, in some sense, in charge of the project does that. But the real big thing that's different about Vortex Southeast is the social science aspect. We have people who are involved with, uh, when there are weather events, what do emergency managers do? How do people respond? How do they use information? Uh, what do, uh, how do even emergency managers think about their job? Uh, especially given the wide variety of emergency managers, because there's some places that have really sophisticated full-time people that weather is their passion, and you know, and in other other places, other municipalities, other counties, it may be a you know, pretty much just this is the fire chief, and weather weather's part of the job for him, but that's mm -hmm. not something that he thinks about in the morning. That this is what I really want to be thinking about. And it does seem like Carol, like the southeast has really you know kind of the tornado alley shifted maybe to the south central or whatever. And so I think yeah. this is great that we're doing this right now because I feel like people are more. Well, we're you know getting the threat more often in this part of the country. There's also, I think, one of the other things we're starting we're starting to understand that uh, that the southeast poses some some challenges, uh, and and they come they come part from the weather. Uh, that one of the things when we look in the plains, one of the things that characterizes weather in the plains is a really strong annual cycle. You know, I know that around here, second half of April through the early part of May of June. 
that's when my tornado threat is. And outside of that time, it's not very big. Uh, we also have a really strong diurnal cycle. I know that my primary threat is, you know, four to nine o'clock at night and that or the afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. We don't get very much stuff overnight. That's not true in the southeast. There's the diurnal cycle and the annual cycle are very weak. Uh, and tornadoes literally can happen any time of the yes. day or night, any time of the year. They also have one of the things that characterizes anybody who's chased will know this. One of the things that, that really is different about the southeast is rural population density. If you look sort of Alabama, Mississippi uh, and east, the rural population densities over most of the state is 10 people per square kilometer. You come out here to, to western Oklahoma and Kansas and it's less than one. <laughs> So you, you put the same tornado mm. into, into those regions, even if it doesn't hit a town, there are a lot of people in the path. Uh, and there are, there's a lot higher fraction of mobile home population. Right. Uh, and so those, all those things combine to make tornadoes in the southeast particularly dangerous. So is the research like more... We just... Sorry, Dana. Go ahead. Oh, it just seemed like we did a, uh, a story on weather.com about cool season tornadoes, and right. those were on the uptick yeah. in, and then, in what is now what we consider Dixie Alley and not Tornado Alley. Right. There, I think there's some there, there's some pretty good evidence that we're seeing an increase in, in the southeast. Now, there's some there's some technical issues with how we look at the data. Uh, you know, the um, we, you know, is this that is this changing in our in our quality of our reports uh, that we didn't have years ago? One of the things about the about if you look at Oklahoma and Kansas, when the the predecessor of the National Severe Storms Lab came out here in the mid 1950s, they did a field project every spring. We had a lot of awareness of weather occurring, and so we probably were doing a a better job of reporting tornadoes out here in the 50s than we were any other place in the country. And really? you get into the south, yeah, because because we had. I mean, we were flying planes around thunderstorms with tornadoes back in the 50s. Yeah. And so there's a, it's per, so I, I don't know how big of an effect, or if there is even an effect that we've got of different, of different parts of the country changing the quality of their reports at different times. That's, the, that's a small caveat. But I, yeah. there's, there's some other evidence from the environments that suggest that probably the cool season threat is increasing in the southeast. But I'm, it's hard to quantify at this point, just because we don't have I mean, everything we do with tornadoes. Our records aren't long enough. You, know, you want, man? Could you get me ten more years? I'd, I'd be really yeah. happy. Well, how about ten more? You know, and so that's what we're always looking for. Yeah. And you know, I, question about one of your research papers you did about tornado variability, mm -hmm. and I thought this was really fascinating that you found since the '70s. Maybe talk a little bit about this. Sure. Since the '70s, you found that the actual maybe annual occurrence hasn't really changed, but the number of tornadoes per day right. might have changed. Yeah. So maybe less yeah. days over, well, the same days overall, but more in right. a certain sure. amount of days. Yeah. When we go to, when we, uh, if what appears to be our best reporting and sort of consistent over time is our, is our tornado F1 and greater tornadoes. Uh, F0 is where all the in report inflation is taking place. And it turns out actually when we, had, when we brought in the, uh, the Fujita scale, in the uh, in the late 19 mid to late 1970s, they went back and they retrospectively rated the tornadoes earlier than that. And it looks like they overrated the intensity for like F2 and above. But F1 and above looks to be relatively consistently reported. And that's about 500 F1 and greater tornadoes a year. 
is what occur in the United States right now. In the early 1970s, we averaged about 150 days per year with at least one somewhere in the country. That number is now down below 100. Okay. okay. But, the, but the number of big days, the no, or the number of days with a lot of tornadoes mm -hmm. have changed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, back in the, in the 70s, there was roughly one day every other year that had 30 or more F1 and greater tornadoes on it. Uh, and now that number is about two to three per year. And you put, so the, the, the days, the big days have gotten bigger, but there are fewer days overall. And it works out that we end up with about 500 per year on average overall. And without that, that number has been pretty, there's a, there's a slight downward trend of like, I think it's, uh, you know, five tornadoes over the 40 year period. That's close enough to zero to call it zero. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the number of days, days has gone from 150 to, to less than 100. Yeah, some more extreme events. Yeah. Okay. That was, I thought that was cool. Yeah. All right, Harold, uh, tell us, uh, tell our listeners, viewers, how, how can they follow you or find you on social media? Uh, well, on Twitter, I'm hebrooks87, H-E-B-R-O-O-K-S-87. And that's the only thing you can really follow me on. You know, I, you know, I do Facebook, but that's that's pretty friendly. Is, is uh, that it, because there were 86 people before you with that? Same? No, it is not. My okay. wife and I got my wife and I got married in 1987. So that's, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. And 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 you'll see if you go in there, you'll you'll uh, you'll in addition to weather, you'll see uh, things about uh, competitive middle school math that I that I helped my wife coach <laughs> at her school. Nice. And you'll probably see some volleyball stuff. Volleyball. So you'll yeah, see yeah. my my non work hobbies will show up uh, in there as well as weather, and I'll probably ramp up the weather a little bit here as we get into the spring well and and do this tell us what what's on your t-shirt share that my, my my shirt is uh actually i borrowed this shirt from my wife this is i love public education this is one of the shirts that that she's gotten uh, to wear as part of the uh, uh activities uh that are going on currently in oklahoma uh and uh you know trying to figure out what we could do to help improve funding for public education in the state of oklahoma perfect perfect all right well hey guys it is time since you just got done talking about our lightning round tour t-shirt, it is time for the lightning round, which is our game show of brilliant questions, uh, arguable, for our guests. And we always invite everybody to play along, including you. So tonight, uh, we're playing a version of Don't Forget the Lyrics. We're, we're just calling it <laughs> Don't Forget the Quote. So don't say, oh, shoot, because I got a feeling you're going to mop this up, yeah, uh, Mr. Burke. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I don't perform always well under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pressure. It's a big time. I have discovered that you you are a hobbyist of medieval European history. Is that correct? This is true. I, I'm right, currently so listening to a book about the three Edwards, uh, the, three Ed the three Edward Plantagenet kings of, of England. As oh, he's gonna kill it. That sounds yeah. As interesting. <laughs> as that sounds. Hey, you know, I I, I learned I, I I learned this week about a gentleman named Thomas Blanket, the mm. guy who first wove blankets and their name for him. That was All right. something. Oh, that, no, no. <laughs> that was he's a person's name. Yes, Thomas Blanket. So there you go. So. Wow. If you listen to our podcast for anything, you listen because you find out Thomas Blanket and what he discovered and all that. So anyway, uh, Harold, we're going to be playing Don't Forget the Quote, and we're going to be talking a little Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> and, and what we're going to do, so the, I'm going to give you a quote, 
you got to fill in the blank. And if you don't fill in the blank, I'm going to turn it over to the freaks uh, and they get to try and fill in the blank and we'll see who wins at the end. <laughs> Sound good? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I don't know if the freaks wa- are familiar with Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but we will uh, we'll find out. My guess is you're going to mop this up. So here we go. Quote number one, fill in the blank. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Yeah. Elderberries. Bam. Oh, yeah. oh. He's got this. That is correct. All right. Quote number two. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen? African swallow. I'm going to give it to you. It's yeah, actually swallow, just swallow. Yeah, yeah swallow. But, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. sure Harold's right, was, Phil. Just give was it, it yeah. European or African, but I will yeah, give you yeah. it is a That's swallow. That's true. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Laden or unladen. Yeah, exactly. Right. So two for two. Here we go. Question. Uh, quote number three. The knights who say blank. Me. That's great. I only knew that one. Yeah, I would give you that. I'd probably give you two points for that one, Harold, <laughs> if you'd pick that second one. All right. Quote number four out of ten. It's just a flesh. Wound. Whoa, that's an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Quote number five. You must now cut down the tallest tree in the forest with a, a shrubbery. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, a herring, a herring, a herring. Oh, you just, I'm going to turn yeah. it over to the freaks. Uh, herring, they sorry, guess. herring. They get to guess. Freaks, what's the answer? What he said, herring. Herring. Yeah. herring. 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 I'm going to give that to the freaks. You gave it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just pity. All right, all right. Thanks, Harold. Yeah, you, you're welcome. <laughs> Very good. So here you, you gave him a point. That's all right. That happens in soccer. It happens in volleyball sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, what, the coach, say, that's what coaches tell me. It was spiked yeah. and out of bounds. Yeah. I, I will say this, Harold. One of the things I was going to do is I was going to look up uh, like famous volleyball players or, or do something on volleyball, but all I could think of was like Karch Karai and Steve Timmons, and that was about as far as I got with famous volleyball <laughs> players that at least I knew. All right, quote number six. What are you going to do? Blank on me? What are you going to do? Blank? I know, I know, I know. Uh, Bleed. Bingo. Bleed. (laughs) Impressive. All right. Number seven. You've got two empty halves of blank and you're banging them together. Coconuts. Coconuts. Famous horse. I want to watch this movie now. Oh, my God. Number eight. If she weighed same as a duck, she's made of wood. 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 You got wood. it correct. Yep. Oh my <laughs> God. She's made of wood. She she's floats. A... She's a witch. Yeah. She's a witch. <laughs> Burn her. Burn her. All right. Number nine. Look, that blank's got a vicious streak a mile wide. It's a killer. Rabbit. <laughs> Rabbit. Oh, yes. Rabbit of Carabinog. Yes. God, oh, my God. You Have you not right. seen this movie? Like years ago, and I can't remember watch it, any of it. Watch it again. These are all. I I'll send so. you my DVD. All right. Number 10. Who are you who can summon fire without flint or tinder? There are some who call me blank. Oh, gosh. Um, Tim the Enchanter. It. Uh, I, yes, yeah, it is Tim. Yeah, correct. Yeah. correct. Yeah. Tim. Nice. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Tim, 
Very good. All right. Great job. Wow. Great job. You got it. Wow. One out of ten. Wait a minute. I have one more. Okay, go. Oh, no. Okay, number 11. Bring out your... Dead. Bring out your dead. I'm not dead yet. Dead. I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Actually, I feel like I can get up and start walking around. <laughs> Quiet. No. All right. Well done. Thanks. Uh, thanks for playing along. Harold. All right, Harold. Good Welcome. Job. You know, I, I knew you would do well. I didn't realize you would do that well. And when you told me you had the holy hand grenade in your bookshelf, then I thought I, oh, he's going to nail I, it. I, I actually really have clean up. I actually have a, a disclaimer slide on uh, on some talks that contains a large part of the dialogue from the movie. <laughs> I want to listen to that. Yeah. All right. So, hey, we're going to go ahead and take a short break. If you're listening to the audio podcast, you'll get to hear the latest edition of the Titan U Minute with Chris Sanner. Uh, but stay right here. We'll be back to discuss if the National Weather Service should be getting their feet in the social media, internet, TV, streaming, and other media. And now it's time for the Titan U Minute with Chris Sanner. Tornadoes are one of the most intense weather phenomena you will find. But the question that's often asked is how big can they get? I have a short answer and a long answer. The short answer is, as far as we know, somewhere around two to three miles wide is the, about the maximum width for a tornado. The widest on record, that we know of at least, was a tornado near El Reno, Oklahoma on May 31st, 2013. This twister reached a maximum width of 2.6 miles wide. The long answer is a bit different. No, El Reno is still the widest tornado ever, but it was rare. On average, most tornadoes are going to be little guys which do very little damage. Tornadoes typically are smaller, averaging a couple hundred yards wide with a shorter path length. But when we talk about truly big tornadoes, we are talking about outliers to the average. Most tornadoes don't get huge. However, when they do, tornadoes can reach big widths of one half mile or more across. Another note, the visible condensation funnel is not the entirety of tornadoes, especially big ones. You will often see the debris cloud spreading quite far away from the condensed funnel cloud. The outer parts of tornado circulations oftentimes aren't as visible as their stronger cores. Sometimes tornadoes can reach widths of over a mile wide and fill the sky. These types of tornadoes can cause wide swaths of damage over the countryside. And one final note on tornado width. A wide tornado doesn't always mean a strong tornado. Size doesn't always matter when it comes to a tornado's ability to produce damage. And a smaller tornado can cause just as extreme of damage as a wider one. So no matter if the tornado is 100 yards wide or a mile wide, remember, they're always dangerous and should be taken very seriously. All right, welcome back. You know, for the most part, the National Weather Service, they, they've kind of stayed away from producing any kinds of forecast or storm reporting video on TV or streaming. However, they've certainly gotten more involved in creating social media posts and website enhancements. I guess the, the question we want to talk about is with this kind of dipping of the toes in media approach that they have, should the National Weather Service, should they go all in? And should they start producing video and should they start streaming 
uh, storm reports and warning reports and forecasts, or should should they get out of it? Let let TV and and other um, private companies do the communication with the public, or should they kind of stay where they're at right now, which is kind of in the middle? Uh, what 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 do you guys think they should be doing? And I'll, I'm actually going to start with on that Nina. One. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was already talking. <laughs> I'm just going to get in there. I mean, <laughs> communica- communication, the more communication you have, the better. I mean, for anything, the more you communicate, the better. Um, that said, I would not like to lose my job being with weather, the weather channels, weather.com and doing all their digital weather and things. But I do enjoy when I see like National Weather Service offices do videos or, you know, the more they communicate like on NWS chat or Twitter or make themselves available, because sometimes there's even information after I dig, I can't find it. And I will chat them or tweet Mm -hmm. them. And they're very helpful in giving me the information I need. Um, And I love when they they uh, tweet videos or Facebook videos, because those are public, pretty much public domain that we can use too on weather.com. Um, so that said, I, I love that they jump in and I hope they do more. Um, just not so much. I'm out of a job. (laughs) That's pretty much what I I say. I agree. And you think about it. I mean, be realistic. People are not looking at the television as much as they used to. They're just not. So anyway, different platforms, whatever. So they, they should hit every platform. I agree. And they're, and if they're always there, then before you'd have to wait, go to the TV, turn it on, have to wait for the meteorologist to come on. Sometimes some stations don't let the weather people on right away. You know, so to me, it's an, it's a win-win situation. Get them out there, let them do what they got to do. Let them stream, you know, be live, whatever. I think it's, you have to do it. You have to, that's today. Who do we think is like their target audience? Who do we think like they're trying to communicate? Cause I think that's, I think that's an important point. Um, because like if I were to go and show, you know, Joe Schmo off the street, you know, the SPC report, he would have no idea what we're talking about. No. So, I, so I so I think the very, very important point that needs to be figured out is who exactly the audience is that, you know, the National Weather Service wants to communicate to. Because I think there could be a lot of value in almost during like a briefing to like TV forecasters or people that work at the Weather Channel. Um, so that really they're all on the same page. I think there's, there could be a lot of value in that. I do like their little videos. Some of them do like, you know, you could read the SBC outlook and you know what they think is the biggest, is it hail? Is it large hail damaging winds? Or is there a bigger tornado threat or is it 2% tornado threat? So I would love to hear more from them. Like I said, the better, the more communication, the better, Um, you know, but it is, you know, they're, when you think about them, you think really it's more science heavy, which is not the public. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're the science heavier side and then they kind of, you know, at least for now. And then, you know, we kind of like, I don't want to be a jerk here, but dumb it down and <laughs> present it in an easier way. Yeah, <laughs> You're laughing, but you well, know I'm, what I mean, right? I'm curious to see, Harold, Harold, what is working? You know, what are you guys okay, well, doing? Yeah, go okay. ahead. Well, let's, let's be, let me put my official hat on and to take it off because i you know i as noah we have to walk a pretty careful line with how with how we do some things and i'm going to basically give you my opinion this i have no idea if anybody in noah else agrees with me on any of this uh and part of it is that it's a 
is that there's a there's some real challenges for weather service as I see it, and so perhaps some opportunities. Uh, there are offices right now that I think are very effective at doing sort of the you know, sort of 10 a.m. to noon. Let's do a here's the here's the weather story of the day for big days, be it winter weather, be it severe weather. Uh, that they'll talk about here's what we think is going to happen, here's the uncertainties, and that primary audience is typically their what they think of as their core partners, emergency managers, broadcasters, uh, to where they can do the, in effect, they're trying to answer a set of questions that they know they're going to get from 30 or 40 different high-end users, and let's do it one time, and and have it set up to where you can under, you can see it if you weren't on right at the right moment. Uh, and that and that usually those are rel- most of the offices I see that while there's some technical content, it's at a it's at a low enough level that most people can look at it. Like if I talk to people at, at school at a school, I'll tell them, hey, you know, you ought to look at that because that'll give you some idea of what of what's happening. And that'll and I if I if I tell you what's gonna happen, I'm pretty much gonna have watched that and just translate it into into words that you understand. But go ahead and give that a shot, and you can look at it in case I'm in, in case I'm not available or not around. I think one of the things that's uh, when we get down to the shorter time frames, and we start talking about uh, that you know the, for tornadoes, say the warning time frame, that gets to be a lot more problematic. Except perhaps on the, say the NWS chat kind of a venue, because you know there's not a weather service office in the country that isn't essentially very close to being short staffed, and so. How many people do you can you dedicate to maintaining all of those streams? And what do you do when today we're short? Hmm. And you know, yesterday, hey, we had plenty of people yesterday. We had somebody yesterday who could do this, who could dedicate to this. And today, you know, we're one person short. So that's the first thing that goes because we well, need somebody putting warnings out. Well, hmm. I don't think not only that, Harold, but the fact yeah. that do, do you have are there people on staff at each WFO? that really have the skills to report that information communicate with the public. And and certainly the National Weather Service is not in a position to start hiring that many more people to make sure there's one of those in each office. And and one of the things is, is that our our friends in the, in the, say the TV community, their primary job is to communicate. Mm -hmm. And they know how to, they know how to tell stories. They know how to communicate information in a way that they or they think that they believe is understood and that a lot of viewers trust that person for, for, for good reasons or bad reasons. <laughs> you, know, you know, that, you know, the, the TV people who come into their houses on a regular basis are, they view them as friends. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, the number of people yeah. I know that they'll see somebody like that on out on the street and they, they almost feel like they know them already, even though they've never met them in their life. Yeah, but fewer uh, fewer people are watching that though. Oh, fewer right? people are watching, but so, but then so again, is there an opportunity there? Well, but then but then they're also doing things in various other media ways. Like they're doing their own Facebook video, they're doing their own Twitter feeds in in ways so that I, I, there may be fewer people watching, but they're also watching them in other in other formats. Uh, one of the problems is the weather service. There are some people who are really good at the storytelling. There are other people, frankly, that aren't so good at it. Yeah. And, and you know, if you think <laughs> about it, lab. well, you know, I mean, if you think about why you do, why I do the job I do, as opposed to doing the job that you do, is part of it is, yeah, I can tell stories, but I don't want to do that all the time, you know. And so, and I'm, and if I'm, you know, I, I don't, I don't have some of the structure, some of the background to actually do that as well. Uh, 
And I guarantee you there aren't enough people to cover every shift of a weather service office that are really good at it. Hmm. And if yeah. you start having people who aren't good at it doing it, <laughs> that's that's a that's a bad you know, yeah. hey, TV, you, you got a bad reporter, they don't last very long, right? No. So so that's a I think that's one of the things. We also we're still learning a lot about even just regular social media stuff. Uh, we, we did an experiment. Um, it actually turned out to be my PhD student. Now, back when she was an undergraduate, we did a project on, on looking at how Twitter messages uh, spread with weather and things that got retweeted a lot, things that, you know, that were seemed to be, and we found that things that were retweeted came from trusted sources. So lots of weather service stuff gets retweeted. Lots of TV station stuff gets retweeted. You know, organizations that people have some interaction with. But we also found that there were some, you know, as we all have seen, things that, uh, you know, like, oh, we forgot to include the time. So we're retweeting the location. There's a tornado at a, at 114th and Western in Moore, Oklahoma. Well, that actually was an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, that tornado's not there anymore. <laughs> you know, you're okay if you live five miles east of there now. And I think that's one of the things that we haven't really figured out. And I don't think that weather service, what's the right way to sort of structure? If you think of Twitter as a language, you know, how do we put the subject verb predicate together in a way that the information is contained? You know, should it be the thing? So tornado, time, location. You know, or is it should it be some other ordering of, of things that make sure that when they get, you know, if someone says something, you know, they don't chop off important information or, mm -hmm. or that it also gets the information out that you want. We have a, a today we had a tornado drill in the National Weather Center. This is such an exciting event. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't get, but the information I, I actually was told a minute before the drill that it was about to happen because somebody I was meeting with who knew that the drill was coming, said, well, in a minute, we're gone. So I said, oh, okay, so we'll, we'll go down. And even you with us, it that. Took, yeah, it took them 15 seconds to say the word tornado. You know, they, they come on, we ding, ding, this is an emergency notification. Yeah. You know, you should be taking action. Tornado yeah. drill. And you go, because, okay, okay you know, okay, is if it's active shooter, I hide in my office. If it's a fire, I'm get running out of the building as fast as I can. If it's tornado, I'm supposed to be going downstairs to the basement. And they took 15 seconds before they hit the word tornado. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that's so you know that was not a very effective bit of communication. And we can't do that in our building. So, <laughs> oh my, you know, God. you know, wow. you know, think about it. That that's, that's something that wow. you know, building message discipline of how do you actually frame. Because since we don't know what the best way to do it is, building a system that actually uses those best practices, we don't have any idea what the best practices are. And then how do we how do we work with our partners? You know, I mean, there are a lot of places where there, there are a lot of places where weather service and TV station uh, or other local media, other press, trusted users have really good relationships. Some places that's not true. You know, if I can trust that when we turn the, if if a weather service person turns that message over to the media by the time it gets translated, is it the same message? You know, years ago there was a about five years ago, one of the most effective messages that ever went out from a National Weather Service office was a tornado warning in Nashville, Tennessee. Taylor Swift retweeted it. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh my all God. of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, 
a couple hundred thousand people have seen this. There's a tornado yeah. warning in, in Nashville. I don't know who the tw Taylor Swift is in Oklahoma City or in Atlanta or mm. someplace like that that you could get. Yeah, you know, I imagine right now if the if Oklahoma City if they could get Russell Westbrook to retweet every major weather announcement, that might actually make an impact. Yeah, but but you know who's that person in, in that local municipality? Yeah. How do you get them to actually do it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. all the time. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, let them hate Taylor yeah. Swift if it doesn't about, happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Just think about the money. Like, if you mm -hmm. even break it down just to money, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the government or the National Weather Service or um, any of that, you know, everybody's running on fumes. It seems like everybody needs more people. And then you think about, okay, so I look at my weather.com group and how many people we have there. And how many on-camera people we have there to uh, convey the message? How many people we have uh, looking for uh, information or um, damage reports or power outages? And then, like even more meteorologists like myself who are trying to draw like forecast graphics. And there's so many people that go into it. There's no way, you know, one group can do it. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think and do it. I mean, people. I think there's so many people that are so good at what they do specifically. You know, yeah. I, I don't think I could step into your position and do that even a fraction right. of what you could do it. Yeah. And I think one of the things we always talk about is consistent messaging. And, you know, there are times that people think that means identical messaging and that's not the same thing. We want messages that are at least consistent with each other. Uh, and that may mean, you know, you've got pretty graphics to show somebody. Okay, well, so it doesn't say the same thing as the words I said or or my crude graphics say. Or you may be able to say something that, you know, that we have somebody communicates, say, with the local schools. Well, you don't necessarily give the same message to that, to that school at 3 o'clock in the afternoon as you would at 8 o'clock in the evening. You know, they've got a whole different, you know, if they've had an evening activity going on, it's a whole different kind of people there. Uh, and so that the message may be consistent, but it doesn't necessarily have to be identical out of every source. Mm. Mm. But I do think what comes out of any kind of government uh, office, whether it's the Severe Storms Lab or National Weather Service or SPC or whatever, I think people do take that as I mean, I think there's nobody who does not take it credible. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've had things um, where, yeah, in effect, what, you know, there are times when I have friends that I now know, I, and this puts it at times a little pressure on me if there's a major weather event going on where i have friends especially severe weather event they kind of expect me to say something yeah you know and i and i know that i have there are times when i have posted yep. things from from spc that i'm basically regurgitating exactly what they said maybe with a little bit of a different you know i'll change a verb yeah uh but mm -hmm. that uh, and I will see my friends repost it or, or, you know, do something else with it or share it. And it'll be, they'll be telling their people, you should listen to this because this is my friend who knows what he's talking about. Right. And it's like, wow. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I'm also pretty much just, I'm actually using publicly available information. Yeah, but exactly. that, that that notion of the trusted source is a, yeah. is a big deal uh, that, you know, I know. You know, for the local TV stations around here, I know their styles. So I know when I see a message on one of the stations, it's not going to sound exactly the same. But uh, the, the basic heart of the message is still there. And I can interpret 
you know the different stations appropriately. If I go to another place, if I if I'm out of town, you know, I'm in say Indianapolis, you know, I don't know anybody working in Indianapolis anymore, and so I listen to him and I go, huh, okay, what is that? You know, you know the fact that you know I know that James Spann, you know, if you see the suspenders and the sleeves rolled up, boy, it's bad. Yeah, I know that much. Mm. If I go to Birmingham, but that you know. I wouldn't. I don't know what the guy in in. I don't know what in, if I go to Columbus. I don't know what what little cues I should be looking for in yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So. But there's, uh, you know, you you touched on an important piece because I think that people think meteorologists know what's going on everywhere across the country mm-hmm. at every moment mm-hmm. that we're a database in our brain. Mm-hmm. Like I may not be looking at a certain part of the country. I might be looking at something else. And yep. that's where my focus has been. So I do look to a trusted source of the national weather service or something. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of take their information that I haven't had time to look at personally, and then kind of, you know, relay that information mm-hmm. because one person can't, it, you know, especially if it's an active weather day, you could have a storm in the Pacific Northwest. You could have a tornado going on in Texas. And you could have mm-hmm. a, a, you know, snowstorm going on yet again in the Northeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's you know, you know, I try to watch out where my, uh, you know, where my family is. You know, that's mm-hmm. sort of the bare minimum. But uh, and then other things where I know I have friends that are in places where I know something really, really big is happening, and it'll be, you know, you really ought to pay attention today. But you know, there may be a day when. You know, I'm doing something like, uh, you know, that I'm just not around today. They don't know that I'm not around today. Yeah. They just know that I'm not saying anything. Not in your database brain. <laughs> or I may not be in a place where everybody can... asks me stuff, even on vacation. I'm like, I don't know. But I may not be in a place <laughs> where I actually can communicate. You know, I, I, I've been out of the country, yeah. you know, sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, I got to tell you, when I, if I'm in Croatia, what's happening in, you know, in Minnesota is not, Really high on my radar, and oh, I may not be on. even have ever. Well, it wasn't on my it wasn't on my radar until now, and then after tonight, I'll be doing Minnesota all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I would what I would always get is so, tell me the real deal. You yes. know, it's like yes. you know, they'll get the, they'll watch their local first, and they say, Kim, what's what's really going on? It's like, well, <laughs> I could give you maybe tell you that the chances are maybe not as high, you know. So really. I feel like they really want to know if what chance is it really going to happen? You right. know, they really want to know that more than is anything. Is it hyped or is it really going to yes. happen? Right, right, right. right. And I think well, and one of the things is, is that one of the big things about the trusted source idea is that, you know, in effect, you feel like somebody's holding your hand through the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, boy, and you're go and they're going, hey, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, or they're going to go, you know, today you really, you know, you cleaned out the shelter, yeah. Or maybe today's not the today's not a real good day to go on the golf course, yeah. You know, because you're yeah. gonna you can have a problem and you may be an hour away from getting shelter. Yep. And I think that's a boy. That's a that hurricane really gonna hit us. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah, a, I evacuate. And I think well, that one, yeah. the, the tornado world. We one of the problems we run into, as I said earlier, is you know. The, the time frame issue is a real problem. You know, if you take, okay, they, they issue an evacuation order for you for a hurricane. You wait 10 minutes to think, okay, what are we, are we really doing this? Yeah, you're you're further back in line in traffic. Yeah. Or you wait 10 minutes of a tornado situation and, you know, you might not have an yeah. option left. 
Right. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you what. Let we always ask our our listeners, viewers. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, email us at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or go ahead and find us on Twitter or Facebook. Tag us your thoughts uh, so that we can share that on our next show. We're, we're going to go ahead and take our final break. You can refill your drink. And when we come back, it's time to share our amazing WX resources and see who else gets added to our legendary weather fools. Hey, it's Ginger Z from ABC News, and you are listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is the time for WX Resources, and we have plenty of them tonight. Uh, These weather resources are really just... Uh, great resources that you can look uh, to find good information that uh, the group of us find together. Um, and if you want to reference them, go to episode 50 on stormfrontfreaks.com, episode 50 show notes, and that's where you'll find them all. So Brady, I think you have a WX resource, correct? Yep, I do, Dina. Uh, and mine... Um... Mine is more a place to go after, you know, a day of severe weather. Um, and it's more your local National Weather Service. Um, they'll do a damage survey. Um, and we just recently had a tornado that came through Columbus, Ohio. It hit Grove City, EF1. Um, and it's really cool because your local National Weather Service will go do a damage survey, um, do a write-up, and tell you, you know, the fatalities, the injuries, uh, the, the width of the tornado, the path of the tornado. And they'll actually provide... Um, a cool map, you know, that's overlaid um, and then the path and the, the width of the tornado. So it's really cool to go take a look at, you know, how far I was away from the tornado. Uh, you know, how long did it last? How strong was it? Um, you know, how, how, uh, how strong the winds were. And so it's just a really cool way to go, you know, cause I was wondering if there was a tornado where it was. And um, this is a really cool uh, way to go. So just go to your local weather service, either on Twitter um, usually like a news station will tweet it out, um, as well. Um, that's how you'll find that, but it's just a really, really uh, interesting tool. Is it different than the public, the public one? The It like is, the it is thing? the public one. It is the public one. It's not necessarily a site to go to. It's more just a, um, a blob of information that your local weather service will, um, will give you. Awesome. All right, Kim, you've got a weather WX resource, correct? I do. And I had to do something on the April 3rd and 4th super outbreak, right? Because I just think it was crazy that, you know, the Xenia area had a tornado on April 3rd, right? And close to the time that it hit back in 74. So I found this website. Um, It's actually, I think, a Fox affiliate, WDRB.com. And on it, there's iconic images from the outbreak and really has some fantastic pictures, um, just incredible images of the Xenia tornado, um, the Xenia high school that was hit, also a setup of some of the atmospheric conditions that came together for it. And this is actually out of Louisville, by the way, a Louisville station. Um, satellite imagery, how about the radar of the hook echo of Xenia? Um, you see that? Also, the of course, the, the famous poster of all the tornadoes that day um, of the, that had um, from Dr. Fujita that he put together along with Dr. Forbes 
which I have an autographed copy of, by the way. Um, also listing all the F4s, F5s, F3s, and uh, pictures out of Louisville, DePaul, some of the F5s that hit um, Main Street here in Madison, Brandenburg, Kentucky, looks like a bomb went off there. Just absolutely incredible images. And also actually showing the tornado crossing the Ohio River into the Cincinnati area. That's where I saw the tornado um, crossing Ohio River and heading up the west side of Cincinnati. So just a pretty cool website. I think um, anybody that's, you know, interested in that super outbreak back in 74 mm. uh, would find some of these images very um, fascinating. Kim, that's Kim, cool. was that Fujita or Fajita? Fajita. <laughs> okay. Fajita. Fujita. Mr. Fujita. <laughs> Dr. Fujita. Did I say Fajita? No. I, okay. No, I just said it. <laughs> She's I awesome. Did. She can handle it here. I know. Anyway, so yeah, that's it. It's um, fox41blogs dot type pad dot com hmm. is where you find it okay all right our guest of the night uh what do you have for us <laughs> oh, harold or harold uh for me the 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 number one thing probably is the is www.spc.noaa.gov the storm prediction center uh great day-to-day -day forecast information climatology information on where storms have occurred in the past uh, lots of forecast tool information that you can get that that's available there. And if you go to uh, the slash WCM hashtag data, you can actually download the entire severe weather database. And you can back to 1950 and you can do things with it that you would like to do. <laughs> but Harold, Harold, let me ask yeah. you this, because sure. the, the SPC site, mm -hmm. you know, the average person, it has no clue that that exists and what it is and, and mm -hmm. outlooks and all that kind of stuff. What, what's, what's your two minute idea on how we can make that more available to the average person. So they're aware daily of what the hell's going on around them. I wish I knew, uh, cause it's, it's, it is information dense. Uh, and I think that probably, I think probably most high end users know it exists. Uh, and so that's a, you know, emergency managers and, you know, obviously weather, weather people know that it exists. There are times when I'm not sure the general public actually needs it, hmm. you know, I mean, cause it's, yeah. you know, it could get translated through their local office that maybe may provide a little more local information attached to it. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, I mean, cause I'm not completely sure what I'm supposed to do with a day seven convective outlook myself, <laughs> Yeah, you know, other than, <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but day one. I mean, just day, day one. one. I, 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 like day day. one. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a. a to me, what I would probably, maybe think is that I really want people looking at their local people, and that you know there are for me. I mean, our weather forecasts are good enough right now that most days people don't really need to know the weather forecast. But there's mm -hmm. certain day, you ought to pay enough attention to know today's a day I actually do need to watch the weather. And at that point, I'd like to probably see local offices and local uh, television stations pointing people towards the SPC because there they might be able to get people who, you know, that maybe five or 10 times a year. OK, go take 15 minutes and learn a lot more five minutes even and learn a lot more about what's going on in your area. But it's a it's a real problem because it's you know, of how to get people to see more of it. I, you know, I, I show it to people all the time, but I don't know how to get it you know, much wider. So, right. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So we have, uh, hey, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it starts with it starts with a fuck sound. So I'm assuming that's me. Uh, so my, my WX resource, you know. So I'm. I, this is the time of year, obviously, for storm spotting and the severe season. And this is one area that I'm very passionate about that I, I really think more just average, ordinary, next-door neighbor type people uh, can take an hour to two hours of their time to just really be a little bit more aware of, of how to identify what's going on around them. And as, as Harold talked about a little bit is identifying resources of where they can find more of what's going on around them from a weather standpoint. And so I encourage... Here's the here's the key. I I don't think there's a whole lot of people that listen or watch the our podcast that are probably not weather savvy to some extent that aren't spotters at least bare minimum. And so my my passion is to call out all the weather spotter, call out everybody and say neck get your neighbors, get your friends, get your coworkers to a weather spotter class. Or my WX resources nowadays, we, we kind of talked about this, is the National Weather Service getting more involved in other types of media. Go on YouTube. There is, a just today I looked up, you, you can look up all kinds of spotter training. Look up severe spotter training on YouTube. And today I've, I found one that's fairly uh, recent, which is 2017. Uh, the WFO in Lincoln has a, has a YouTube video on storm spotter training that's just within the last uh, year or two you can go on youtube and find videos uh, a national weather service video that teaches you spotter training and i encourage all the spotters and everybody that listens or watches our show to share something like that or next time you go to a spotter training class bring your neighbor with you bring your coworker with you Bring your friend with you. It's it's an hour to two hours. That's that's the only commitment you bring make. Bring your drinking buddy with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're at bring the Howard. bar. Bring Howard. You're at the bar for happy hour. He's the guy you're sitting next to, the gal you're sitting. Say, hey, I got a spotter class to go to in the next hour. Hey, come with me. I, I need a I need a designated driver to get me there. Every time right? we say morning drink. Um, well, and hey, I'll I'll say this. My uh my father. Uh, after I had moved to Norman and was starting to do and was you know at the lab, my my father did spotter training in St. Louis, and I remember mm -hmm. hanging around in the forecast office in St. Louis during it during an outbreak, and we got a report of one inch hail from my father. That's cool. Awesome. That is cool. Well, so so that's my WX resource, Dina. Is is jump on YouTube, uh, search 2017 Lincoln storm spotter training mm. uh we'll have we'll have the link on on our show notes as well but but that's a great example yeah all right i've got uh the last one and this is kind of a generic one it's um out of um s uh cpc but it's mainly a, a three to seven day u.s hazards outlook and it's a simple graphic it's a one frame deal and it really just outlines areas in the continental united states um and Alaska for places that you just need to watch for some kind of hazard. Like I'm looking at the current one right now and they have the Pacific Northwest highlighted for heavy rain. It gives some dates. It gives a big part of the country, a big blue outline that says much below 
normal temperatures. And then there'll be a place where there's an enhanced fire risk or flood threat. And um, it's a long kind of ncepnoaa.gov uh, link. So I'll put it on the uh, episode 50 show notes for you. But it's really nice. It's it's short and sweet. It's one frame. And really mainly I have that bookmarked every day. So I kind of look at it and it just gives me, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about a fire outlook or something. I better look into that. And it just gives you a broad overview of possible things you're going to have to watch for the whole uh, week. That's it. Good. That's awesome. Cool. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and All jump right. to, and, and I'm going to set this up right now. I just saw a tweet online. This is this is another new tweet from Helicity Designs. They have just oh. brought, they have just set up. There is now a T-shirt you can buy from HelicityDesigns.com that says only you can prevent hashtag weather fools. No. Oh boy. Nice. You know, so, uh, so, oh, Brandy, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce this this beloved segment. Like, like I said, this you know, it's episode 50, and people are just tweeting. People are making T-shirts about this segment. It's their favorite segment of the show. So, what does that mean? It's Weather Fools. It's where us as the freaks are going out on the internet. We're looking for someone that did something downright stupid, and we're going to throw them under the bus a little bit. We're going to now. I still have. Or a lot, or a lot, right? Or a lot, and then we make fun of them completely. And then we make fun of them, and then you can go view it on our website, stormfrontfix.com. <laughs> Phil, uh, who is your weather fool this week? All right, so my my weather fool is actually, I saw this on Twitter about a week ago, uh, from at back to nature, but it's B-A-C-K-T, and then zero instead of an O, nature. Uh, but they tweeted out an image of a cloud that looked just like Winnie the Pooh sitting back after having a bunch of honey. And I researched this <laughs> a little bit more. This is actually from uh, 2016. There was uh, a, a website in England. This, this is like all the England tabloids. You know how, how we have uh, uh, National Enquirer, Star, all these Great websites. Magazines. Beautiful. Yeah, totally uh, uh, relevant, right? Yeah. And, and trustworthy. Uh, this was so, and this was in England. Uh, there was a website, and 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 this was this was. I saw all kinds of websites from news England, especially news companies, that re, reset out this image of of it's a Winnie the Pooh cloud, and it looks exactly like Winnie the Pooh, which is why you know it's exactly fake. Uh, it is completely photoshopped. Photoshop. Oh, of yeah, Winnie yeah, the Pooh sitting, and you know it's photoshopped because you see where his paws are. There's like little lines in the clouds where his fingers would be or his yeah. toes would be. So you know it's totally photoshopped. But uh, back to nature or back T0 nature, this was a, a tweet that was shared 867 times. Oh man! And, and this was just oh, a man. week ago. Something that was from 2016, <laughs> that was shared just a week ago, 867 times of a Winnie wow. the Pooh, stupid photoshopped cloud. That's and we wonder why the National Weather Service doesn't do more on. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so Dina, I think you've got a weather forecast. Okay, I do. And this one's, uh, you know, I love the funny videos. But this one's about a woman and she's trying to get in her, I think it's her back door. But of course, she's got the wrong footwear on and it's all ice. 
So her and her dog are trying to get in the front door, and it's ridiculous that this girl cannot get in the door. Uh, she's sliding all over. She's holding on to the handle. She can't do anything. I mean, the dog finally just left her. The dog said, forget it, and just went in the house. Because she at least like, went down and, and got the handle to open it. But, you know, I love those kind of videos, especially when, yep. you know, when it's not you. We're the right footwear. It's not you. It's right. not me. It's, she had Harold, high heels on. It's not no, you, I, I but I, I think this is, this is the second time, Dina, you've you've shared a woman slipping on ice <laughs> as a weather fool. You're putting your own there's gender under the bed. I know, but there's been times like it, when I was very young where I was in the heels and skirt in the winter and had to climb through the hatchback because there was so much ice in my car I couldn't get in. And then you kind of learn your lesson. Stop doing yeah. stupid stuff. Yeah. Hopefully she learned her lesson. Yeah. And it's a shame these videos are still relevant. <laughs> but it's right? funny. <laughs> but don't worry. I get the men on driving through floodwaters all the time. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's what? where I get the guys. So the women, they wear the wrong footwear and slide on the ice. Men drive through the, the flooded waters. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Turn around, don't drown. That's fair. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, guess I have I have a bit of, I have a bit of weather fool. So mine isn't necessarily like a link, just like my other resource. I know it's you know very convenient, but mine is. So I told you guys about the tornado that hit Grove City. I was about five miles north of that. Uh, we had a tornado warning as well, and it was about five thirty. There was maybe fifteen or twenty people left in my work. I went around and was like, "Hey guys, you know, I was looking at the radar. I was like, hey, we have a tornado warning. This is pretty dangerous.'" You know, you probably should get in cover. Um, and, and and I was trying not to hype it up, but I was also like, you know, I said it once and no one moved. Said it twice and no one moved. And it was like, I was like, what could you be doing on your computer? And come to find out there was a tornado five miles south of us in that same storm. And I was just like, man, like what would have happened if it would have, you know, been five miles north or. Maybe it, they just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. but but and, and, and the, other, the other problem was so half of them stayed where they were the other half got in their cars and left and i was like <laughs> no. that's the worst thing to do and it was just it was it was baffling to me how you know it was it was crazy you, you right. gotta teach you gotta teach your work how to become a storm ready i know uh, and phil that's along with the lines yeah. what you were saying i mean it, it's just about getting out there and getting to your neighbor and trying to get them educated they're gonna yep. hate you. I think it just Brady. they were probably waiting <laughs> yeah. for you to tell them what to do because like you're sitting at your desk if you yeah. don't know where to go. And I've like, been right. I mean, they've, I've been like the office weather guy. I've been right several times with snow, and it, they just still don't listen. But you know, hopefully they're not listening to the show. I love you guys if you are. But, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, Brady can, people, you can find uh, all of these weather fools and weather resources at uh, stormfrontfreaks.com under our sh- episode fifty show notes. Phil, back to you. Very good. Hey, before I turn it over to MJ with our listener question and responses, I got to share one that's relevant as of right now. Uh, we talk, we t- we've been talking all show about uh, the partnership with Helicity Designs, uh, some of the great lineups that, that they're coming up with. There was a, a tweet from Helicity Designs. This is right near the beginning of the show. And they said, even my cat loves Stormfront Freaks. Oddly, he was licking Brady's face, though. <laughs> so, how appropriate. Oh my God. <laughs> no way. So, Brady, you have that stigma about you that nice. you can even be uh, visualized uh, how, and felt. Have they followed up on how the cat's doing now? 
If you got a brand, stick to it. That's that's all. That's what it's about. Fair enough. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right, MJ. Any other listener questions or responses? Oh, we've got some stuff, and I sometimes do a shout out to our viewers who are in the chat room, and we've had a lively chat tonight. Richard wants to see a twister too, so maybe Harold is up for being a consultant on that. Um, and, uh, and I think we've had a couple of our viewers already buy t-shirts from Helicity Design. So awesome. thank you for that. And wow. all of nice. you out there who are our listeners, make sure you do the same and please tweet us pics of you wearing those pictures, oh, uh, those uh, t-shirts. With yeah, a drink in your hand. Pictures with Absolutely. a drink in your hand. In yes. a Stormfront Freaks glass. <laughs> Right. That would be fabulous. So, Ooh. so hope everybody does that. We have a couple other things. Richard Cook says, hello. I stumbled across your podcast thanks to you being on Weather Brains. After first listen, I was hooked and added you to my 17 podcasts. Nice. Oh, thanks, buddy. I can't wait to listen back to older shows. I've been storm chasing myself four times, and I live off the west coast of Scotland. So one Ooh. of our international Oh, my God. Wow. That's of of course, we're 17th on his list, but hey, we'll yeah. take it. You know what? We'll take it. <laughs> I have no problem we'll with it. that. Yeah. So Liz, uh, Liz says, just got back from Iowa and checked my mailbox to find these. Thanks so much. You guys are the best. And I think that was uh, glasses, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we sent, yeah, we sent her yep. some of our color-changing Stormfront yep. Creeks oh, okay. glasses. Oh, my, my question to Liz is because I think she's a student. Uh, I understand. I think she's a student at Ball State um, in there meteorology or atmospheric science program but my question is what the hell was she doing in iowa on spring break yeah seriously question that's just my she question she's down here drinking with me yeah. <laughs> so yes A excellent lot of question. spring breakers down here yeah she's trying to take my spot on this show that's interesting <laughs> uh, rob, rob h tweeted the grazulis videos are also available on youtube I think that was something that that came up. Yeah, Kim, uh, Kim mentioned yeah. that last yes. show. Yep. Uh, yep. The, the book. Yep. That's right. And uh, JP Kelb says, uh, "Question for you guys and at Weather Hype, do, uh, Storm at Stormfront Freak and at Weather Hype, do you think there should be a weather podcast based on tweets and not interviews, like what I am trying to do um, at the at Stratus Show? So that's a, a new. I know I took a look at that. That they're a new group that's trying to do something based on." Uh, based on Twitter chat uh, rather than interviews. So those are our uh, listener comments and, and uh, questions. I don't think if we would have done that initially, I don't think we would have had very much content. Um, yeah. Well, I, I still don't tough. think we have very yeah. much content. <laughs> if we yeah. Were to do that. yeah. That's, that's why we collect those over two weeks time. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I'd have to make a lot of fake Twitter accounts. If that were that too. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. We want to thank you. Thank you for listening and watching before I go ahead and share the secret of our next guest. If you enjoy our show, please do us a favor and leave us a great review on your podcast app. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting your podcast app subscribe button. You know, it works just like a magazine or a newspaper subscription. All it does is it assures the latest show gets delivered right to your podcast inbox the moment that we release it. Uh, hey, special thanks to our guest, Harold Brooks. Harold, thanks for joining us tonight. You're a legend. Uh, it was a great conversation, and thanks awesome. for sticking around. You're welcome. Thanks, I enjoyed Harold. it. Harold. Thank you so much. Very Thank good. You. And, and our, our next episode is in two weeks. We'll be recording on April 19th. Now listen to this, everybody. We're going to be with CEO of the Extreme Weather Experience, Eric Solna, 
which what this is, it's a first ever immersive weather edutainment attraction concept. So, so this is a concept that he has to create. It's a combination, I would say, of a weather science museum hmm. and an amusement park all in, in one facility where you can go on rides, you can immerse yourself in these 3D weather experiences, learn more about weather. Hmm. It's it's like a science museum huh, dedicated cool. strictly to weather and how it works with great rides and interactive uh, things. So this this is a great thing that he's working on. We're going to be able to talk to him about it, what the concept is, hmm. and how he's going to get that off the ground. Uh, so that'll be our next show. If you'd like to watch the recording... Uh, it'll be live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on April 19th. Go ahead and check us out on our YouTube channel. Just search YouTube and search uh, Stormfront Freaks. So uh, I'm going to say this for MJ and Dina and Kim and Brady and, and Harold or uh, what was it? Howard? <laughs> Howard. Fred. Fred is going to signal the all clear. And we'll catch you guys next time. Have a good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search for Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at Stormfront Freak. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.